Welcome to Forever Young Adult, a podcast where I, Aoife, and I, Kira, read and review young adult fiction from the every times and the nows, because now is a part of the every time. But specifically today, we're going to do the books that we read in 2020, because, dear listeners, it is the end of the year where Aoife and I are. I don't know where you are, but we are at the end of 2020, which has when you are. I also, yeah, I don't know when you are or where you are. Just Why would a where make a difference? Um, I kind of meant where they are in time, but I see okay. how that could be read as like a location. I don't know. Okay. I don't know where our listeners are physically, mentally, spiritually, or in time. They just exist in the nevers. Well, I'm physically, emotionally, mentally, and in time in Leitrim. Um, I'm in Limerick. It's fantastic i absolutely love being in limerick because it is the place where my heart and soul and mind reside even when i do not which when my body leaves limerick the rest of me stays and it is uh distressing to my being to be in two separate places but Mm. life continues on superposition yeah life continues on um but saying that i am in limerick i apologize greatly if there is some background noise because my sister is trying to purchase a car right now and my mother has a lot of opinions on us and they are shouting at each other. <laughs> uh, yeah, and likewise, I'm in Leitrim. I'm so blessed to be in Leitrim. It, we're really lucky to be able to travel home to be with family and we'll, having, we'll be self-isolating when we head back up to Dublin. But also there is a dog currently sleeping in the room with me and he is known to bark and... I will also probably have a parent open a door loudly and say, oh my God, I slept in. Do you want eggs at some (laughs) point? As I was saying, it is the end of 2020. And so we are going to do a quick little review recap of the books that we read this year, both for the pod and for extra pleasure, um, because it's always a pleasure to read the books for the pod, except for that one book that one book but um hey I this year was the year I read Scatterheart as well so we both have that one book we both had yeah but you at least finished Scatterheart you just didn't like it um I had a Mm -hmm. did not finish on my on my pod list as opposed to just all the do not did not finishes that I had in my regular life how about we start with your highlight book of the year uh, so my highlight book of the year is uh, I read Tuesdays Are Just As Bad by Kethan Lahey again for the second time. <laughs> again? Okay. And it was once again, it brought joy and pleasure to my life. It was a reread and it made me extremely happy. Books that I read for the first time this year that made me... No, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Let's stay on Tuesdays for another moment. Um <laughs> What else happened with that book that Um, uh, brought you joy this year? So as a Christmas present to me, Aoife contacted Kethan and he sent me a signed copy of Tuesdays Are Just As Bad. And I hyperventilated for 10 minutes and had to do breathing exercises in order to be able to drive home 
after I received it. And Kethan now knows that I am incredibly obsessed with both him and his books and was very nice about it on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, Because Aoife is fantastic. And actually, though, when I got home to my partner, I was like, uh, Aoife has one Christmas. I know what you are getting me Aoife has one Christmas and then he had to be like oh she got you a copy of the book and I was like yeah and also it's signed by Kethan and he was like cool 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 I gotta go uh I gotta go DM Kethan and be like it's chill because he had the same idea what (laughs) he had also DM'd Kethan to be like would it be possible to get a signed copy of your book from my girlfriend are you oh my god Kira, Kathleen Leahy knows so badly how much you love his book. Um, yeah, it's it's a problem. It is a genuine problem. This is, this is amazing. This is like, okay, niche niche comment, but like the Mountain Goats, you may know, are like a fairly big band, mm-hmm. but like in two thousand and five or so, they were quite a small band, and John Green was one of their biggest fans. And John Green was like, kind of getting, like he was a writer and like, it's gotten to the point where he hangs out with the Mountain Goats occasionally. They do professional things together, but like John Darneal of the Mountain Goats doesn't comment on John Green's books. He just knows that this kind of sort of more famous than him guy is a massive fan of his work. Um... Gosh, I'm trying to think. There, I had another comparison, but um, well, basically like, that's fun. Uh, gold star for Ben. Yeah, for gold star thinking of for it. everyone. But yeah, so uh, Tuesdays are just as bad by Kathleen Leahy is uh, one of my highlights of 2020. And then other books that were highlights were probably the Falling in Love montage by Kira Smith, which I did for the pod, and that was about two girls who have a lot going on in their personal lives, trying to just have like a fun summer romance. And it was really good. I loved it. Uh, Places I Cried in Public by Holly Byrne was definitely a highlight. I did that for the pod. We Contain Multitudes was a book that I didn't do for the pod. And that was by uh, Sarah Henstra. And that was about two boys falling in love. But the medium in which they did that was was via letters to each other they get assigned like a school project where they have to write a letter like be pen pals you have to write a minimum one letter a week to another person in the class and they're assigned each other and through the letters they actually form like a really close relationship and then start dating which also like leads to this interesting bit in the middle because you only get the letters where when things are like really good between them and they're spending a lot of time together, they actually write less letters to each other. So you get like this blank space where they're communicating via other means and then they have a fight or something and they fall back on their letter writing in order to be like, this is how it all started. I want to communicate like other things to you in a medium that we are very comfortable with. So it was just like, it was a really interesting formatting choice that like left a lot of information out but also gave you more information as well because like obviously the two boys are self-censoring so that they can like 
post the letter, like not post them, but give the letters to each other. But they're also because it's not direct communication. In a lot of cases, they're able to think more deeply about what they want to say. So a lot of that is yeah. also more more intense. Um, and it was really good. It was a really good book. It was a really nice romance between two boys. Um, it was a little... It reminded me a little bit of Aristotle and Dante, which you did for the pod um, last year. Um, And the formatting also, it didn't read it this year. I think I read it like two or three years ago. I'll give you The Sun by Jenny Nelson, which also had an interesting, because they're writing letters, so you get both boys' uh, point of view. It also had like an interesting narrative foil where, it was telling the story, I'll give you the song by Jenny Nelson. It, I, I'll, it had a narrative foil where it was telling the story of these two twins, but one of them was narrating before an event and the other was narrating after an event. So there was like an age discrepancy between the two and their relationship had changed. Okay. And it was just, it was, it reminded me a little of that because you just like the information gap between what people are saying and what they're writing and what's actually happening because you also have to depend on them detailing events to each other that they were both ass in order to like get get a get a context for the event that they went to i think that those were some of my my favorites the falling in love montage uh tuesdays the places i cried in public we contain multitudes and Oh, the Queen of Queen and Whispers, which I loved so that much that one, I required huh? you to actually read it so that I could more fully discuss it with you. Mm. <laughs> what about you? What are your, some of your highlights? Well, I was trying to reflect there and it's like, I forget <laughs> the books I read at the start of the year and was so surprised that they were ones that I read this year. Uh, so one that I totally thought I had read like last like in 2019 is one by Sarah Crossan which Mm. I did do for the pod with um the story with the conjoined twins who are teenagers yeah and it is from one of the girls points of view um it's got a very interesting layout because it's in sort of prose poetry yeah that was really good uh love that love the story love the layout and that's actually one of two books I read in prose poetry this year, which I think is interesting. Um, uh, the other one was by Meg Grehan, wasn't it? Yeah, Meg Grehan. Sorry, Meg Grehan's uh, The Space Between, which yeah. is very interesting. I have to say, though, it's a classic, but one of my highlights of the year has got to be Lord of the Rings. Um, you read I all started three. I read all three of Lord of the Rings. I started in January and I finished in, I think, April. And it's really, really good. I'm, I'm going to read you out some of my, like in my little document where I keep track of what I've read, I said for the first one, nine out of 10 loses points for expecting me to know so much fictional geography and history and also for the good guys doing a torture on Gollum. But the rest <laughs> of it, Wow wonderful i love the landscapes and the moral fortitude and the love the characters have for each other Uh, i i have never read lord of the rings and i hold a deep amount of respect for anyone who has mostly just because i find it astounding that anyone could read that many could read that many descriptions of trees kira i'm me 
<laughs> this is true. Several of the books I read this year were just textbooks about trees. One of my other favorite books this year is called Tree Crops. It's <laughs> That's fair. Me and Tolkien were on the level. I loved it. I do not like the Divine Right of Kings bit. So I would read that as everyone's just in love with Aragorn. You um, don't like that in any medium, though, because you just don't like the divine right of kings because you're you're too much of true. a Republican. Oh, please don't call me that. <laughs> I had to, though, within context. Yeah, true. But I'm in Leitrim. I know. I know. Um. Oh. Another book I read early in the year, and I kind of thought I would do it for the podcast, but I ended up not doing it. So I don't even know if I told you about it yet, was The Nest by Kenneth Opel. Okay. I don't know that book. Or it doesn't doesn't immediately spring anything to mind. Is a better... It, it is a really, really good book. It's got vibes quite similar to... Oh, what was that Patrick Ness one with the monster... A monster, monster calls. calls similar to that but much more ominous and horrific okay cool cool, cool. A, a character who's probably a similar age to the protagonist of a monster calls is you know dealing with a younger sibling being born who's very very sick mm-hmm. and you know the parents are freaking out because the baby's sick and they don't know if the baby will live. And when the baby will live, if the baby lives, the baby's going to be really unwell. And the kid starts getting visits from what he thinks are angels in his dreams. Mm-hmm. But he's also terrified of a monster. Okay. And I don't want to spoil it, but it's it's a really tightly woven horror where these people these angels are like we will fix the baby we will make the baby healthy but the kid realizes actually and you know and then these creatures are saying we will fix the baby and the other ominous person or monster who is around they're like oh he wants to hurt the baby he's gonna he's gonna make the baby sick and yes. eventually the kid starts working out that like actually the creatures in the nest who he's getting dreams of. from the point of view of someone in the nest are trying to replace the baby with a changeling and they're like but what does that matter why why do you ma- why does it matter you'll have a perfect sibling and the kids like but but what happens to the one that you take away what happens to my sibling and they're like it's not your sibling anymore it's ours and it's really creepy and there's a real theme of wasps and a wasp's nest in the house and it's really good i i love stories of the fae to be honest i just love stories of the fae i love the reimagining of them and how they work in like today's society as opposed to like older societies and I just love them um I actually read a series starting last year but like into this year by Holly Black and that was about the fae I think I did the first book and touched on the other ones for the pods um the last one which I did this year was the queen of nothing and then 
the first book was The Cruel Prince and The Something King. The The Cruel Prince and the Wicked King. I think I remember that. How did that end up? Um, how did, how did the first one end up or the series as a whole? Well, no. Yeah. How did you find the rest of the series? Cause the first book seemed really compelling. Um, it was fantastic. It was, it was really, there was a lot of like, it was set in the fairy world, but it was a lot of just like political intrigue and how that, how the rules of that world were affected because that they were fairies and whatnot. Like the main character is human and therefore is capable of lying, which the fairies are not technically capable of doing. And that was like a major plot point because that allowed her a lot more freedom because also fairies don't particularly expect people to be lying within their own realms because it's not something that they can do. So she was able to like make and break promises. She was able to tell people just straight up on truths or bend the truth a lot more than fairies would be able to, which obviously people were suspicious of her, but they also like, you just let it down your guard when you're at home, don't you? Um, yeah. And so there was a lot of like political intrigue and stuff happening within that. It was actually plot wise. It was quite similar to, to the queen of coin and whisper in that, like they're both, they're both high, they're kind of high fantasy with like political intrigue and royalty, except that like... Did you just call Queen of Coin and Whispers high fantasy? A little bit. I know it's not. I know it's not high fantasy. It's, but it reminds me of high fantasy. That's true. It's got that quasi-historical-ish setting where you're like, if magic happened at any point, I would not be surprised. Yeah, like, I know it's not high fantasy. I know it is much closer to like historical political intrigue but I'm also like oh just just add a character that does magic and now it's high fantasy it's got so many of the trappings of that genre apart from the bit where it's fantasy yeah yeah and I loved it I loved it and they reminded me of each other in that Mm. they they were doing a lot with they were doing a lot of with with politics and whatnot and building very intricate uh, worlds around politics and they both involved spies like there was there was there was a crossover definitely if someone told me that they enjoyed one of the books I would recommend the other um did you read anything unusual this year that like you wouldn't have usually read I think this was the year I got into horror like mm. I told you about the nest which was kind of like a baby horror book um but I also read The House of Leaves, which is a massive tome. Like, if we are not counting the Lord of the Rings books as one big book, mm-hmm. then actually House of Leaves is the longest book I read this year. It is longer than any one book in The Lord of the Rings. Uh, and it was amazing. It is... Oh, I just got really into horror. I think possibly because, you know, I spent lockdown... For one thing, there's a global crisis happening. <laughs> and for the other, I spent the first, like, you know, March, April, May, June. Did it go on into the June lockdown in a house with my housemate, Danny, who's quite into horror. Like, she was reading... Sorry, no. She 
got into like the it fandom um, okay. and the movies and then found that the movies were quite disappointing but then started reading uh, a lot more Stephen King so the movies we were watching were more horror and I kind of just started getting into it so The Nest was really good and then House of Leaves was truly amazing it is extremely postmodern as books go <laughs> like it is a book that doesn't want you to read it with layers of fiction and it twists itself up to the extent that like within the book a character reads the book oh and no within so there's one level where it's there is a guy who found a manuscript mm-hmm. for a documentary about a movie okay but the documentary was never made and as far as he can tell the movie didn't exist okay but there's other signs that it did exist and so not only do a character within the documentary about the movie reads the book reads house of leaves Mm -hmm. and then also the character who found the manuscript for a documentary that never was made meet someone who read the house of leaves and finds a copy of the house of leaves with the annotations he made on the manuscript like printed up oh this is too twisty it's twisty and the character who does that is the author's sister oh my god who is in her real life band on a real life tour they did turning up in the book talking to the protagonist oh god that sounds a little like i am the messenger that i read where the author like self-inserts at the end to be like i've set this whole thing up so that i could teach you to be a better version of yourself but also i wrote you so how much of a better version of yourself can you be but also i'm finished writing your story now and you exist as a human or you exist as a character at least so you can change your story from this point on because I no longer am writing you and I'm just like dude what just tell people you want to write fan fiction I mean I guess uh I don't know House of Leaves is way trippier than that because while it plays with those levels of reality it's also like it is about a a labyrinth a labyrinth it is about a labyrinth that is in this house Mm -hmm. and then the house stops existing because the movie about it becomes the labyrinth. Oh God. And then the documentary becomes the labyrinth and then the book becomes the labyrinth and like people get lost in the house and then they become the labyrinth over. Well, no, they become the minotaur. Oh, of course. But it's like people keep trying to contain the labyrinth in a new form Mm -hmm. but the labyrinth doesn't want to be contained so it will erase anything that tries to contain it is the implication but also the answers aren't very clear and there's enormous fan communities trying to figure out the secret meanings of this book because again the book is meant to have become this labyrinth that sucks people in if you try to find the answer 
you'll get lost in it. Mm-hmm. And the ultimate beautiful kind of plot about it is that the the only thing that guides people through and helps them escape is love. Oh, the answer is love. But then you, then you also don't know if any of it really happened. Because, like, of course, it, none of it really happened. But, like, you don't know if to Johnny, the guy who's doing this, like... Um, the footnotes you don't know if he's telling the truth and you don't know like it's just it's very interesting and then there's also a theory that he actually doesn't exist and it's the guy who wrote the manuscript for the documentary had a kid who like died and he's just imagined who that kid would grow up to be and written stuff from his point of view oh my god it's mad there's a lot going on there's a lot going on. Yeah, it on. is a labyrinth of a book. I... Oh, that's kind of interesting. Don't be getting me all tied up in books like this. I might read some. God damn. <laughs> um, I think it would suck you yeah. in or you would hate it. One or the other. One or the other. Well, I'm, I'm well happy to just stop reading books. My book count for the year is 30 books. 31 books. Um, and I'm hoping to round that off to 32 before tomorrow. Uh, mm. But, uh, which I was like, I was like, oh, I didn't read anything this year. And then I, I looked up my, my Goodreads, which was like, you've read 31 books this year. And I was like, oh, that's actually quite a lot. But at the same time, I'm like, I probably started and got 50 pages into and then put down a lot more books but I don't track those I only track the ones that I finish so I'm I'm like maybe next year for 2021 I will track the books that I pick up and put down again uh for because sometimes like... sometimes I I put them down because I'm just not enjoying them and sometimes I put them down because I get distracted by something else so like there's a mix in there <laughs> I would say it's very possible that you feel you didn't finish as many books because you didn't pick up as many books because you weren't in the libraries as much. That could also be true. And also I read a lot more fan fiction this year than I do on average, which is also harder mm-hmm. to track in terms of because it's because I was it's looking for, accessible. It's, it's accessible and I was looking for like softer reads, but if you read 10,000 words or 100,000 words of something, you've read a book. You know? Yeah, that's... I, I always say that. Like, Kira will try recommend me a fic, and I'll be like, this is two novels long. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? It's only 22 chapters. <laughs> and you're like, oh, no, I read that in, like, a day. And I'm like, "I, Kira." <laughs> yeah. Um. So for 2021, I think I'm going to try track that a little bit better. Just because I want, I do want a better, because you see, I, I do flick through a lot of books for work in order to be able to like better recommend books as well. So like my working knowledge of books is probably better than my actual read count because it is very difficult to read yeah. every book that passes by you. If you just read, and this is part of why I'm such a big believer in just stopping books when you... Kira, you're a librarian, I know. so again... But like, this is part of the reason why I'm so pro just stopping books that you don't enjoy. If you just took 2020 and just read every book that was published in 2020, then like... You'd die. You wouldn't read any other books for the rest of your life. So I'm like, you mm. got to be selective. And if you're reading something that you don't enjoy, 
move on. Because there isn't enough time in the universe. Okay, now I'm interested. In your philosophy of reading, did any of that change this year? Uh, That there isn't enough time in the universe? No, just like... You have got really strong attitudes to reading, but like, did you find the way you approached reading different this year or like Um, the way what reading did for you? No, I found myself like not reading as much, mostly due to the pandemic more than anything else. Um, Like, I just found it very difficult to focus. Like, I'm looking at my Goodreads here um, and I have one book logged in March and then I don't have another book marked until like the end of May so I just didn't mm. read for like six to eight weeks in a trackable fashion I, I was reading a lot of fan fiction throughout the year um yeah. and I found that was kind of odd like it makes me feel a little bit disconnected to the world to not be reading a book but also mm. I was like the world was too much for a while there if that makes sense I'm like, I'm always reading a book. It's an innate part of who I am, but also I just didn't want to be who I was for a while. Okay, one worrying (laughs) Okay, well there... Okay, I'll be back in a second. I need to deal with the doc. Cool. I'm back. You're back. Um, I love terriers. Sorry, one sec. Brief interlude. One, I love terriers because they're so small and angry. So the dog was barking, but I did just wrap him in a blanket, pick him up and move him to another room. Yeah, that's what you can do with small, angry dogs. But yeah, I get, I totally get what you mean about like reading gives your brain something to chew on. Yeah, my brain didn't want to chew on anything. It just wanted to like absorb smush, which meant watching a yeah. lot more TV and just kind of sitting in silence but not actual silence because my brain actually can't process silence. So sitting with music. I listened to a lot more music this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I also like read, like I've got three books written down in my January, mm-hmm. but two of those are like art books. Like one was called Working on My Novel mm-hmm. and it is just a little book of tweets that a guy assembled where he'd like searched on Twitter tweets containing the phrase working on my novel and published a bunch of those in a compilation and the other ones like pictures. So yeah, I barely read in January, read four books in February, then one in March, two in April, but one of those was a gardening reference text. And it's only like in May that I got back to my usual, at least two books a month. So it's hard Um, out here. Like I'm looking, I, I, I'm just looking at my Goodreads. We had to shut down the video in order to like allow Leitrim's Wi-Fi to work. And so I'm not looking at Aoife's face as I usually do. But I'm looking at my Goodreads now and I'm like, oh, I read eight books before the lockdown. <laughs> which came wow. at the start of March. And then I didn't read a book again. And I think I actually had a book that I brought home with me from the libraries when we got sent home called The Cabin at the End of the World. And it was a perfectly fine horror novel that I enjoyed a lot. And I think that, I think it's probably a a movie. And I think that I possibly would have enjoyed it more uh, in that medium, but I did enjoy the book, but I brought it home with, I think less than a hundred pages, maybe even closer to 50 pages to the end. And it took me two weeks to read them 
Like I remember vividly sitting down multiple times to finish the cabin at the end of the world and instead like reading two pages and being like, okay, that's enough now. And it was like nearly torturous to read it because I was like, I want to finish it because I enjoyed it so much, but now I can't focus enough, but I do want to read it and I want to finish it because I want to know what happens, but I can't. And it was like very frustrating to me. Yeah, I started reading a book called Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. Which is a beautiful, beautiful nonfiction book uh, by a botanist who is also First Nations, Native American. And it is gorgeous. It is a beautiful mix of, you know, how spirituality is missing from the scientific method and how people relate to the concept of nature. And it's gorgeous. And I loved it. And I still haven't finished it. <laughs> and I started that in April. Uh, I've got four books right now. I actually am reading. I'm actually, no, I'm reading at least five or six books right now because I'm forgetting the ones on my e-reader. Uh, I got an e-reader this year. You know what changed a little bit for me this year? I am, I used to read multiple books all at once. And at the moment, like I used to have three or four books on the go and like I'd have a book at home, a book at work an audiobook for when I was moving around and then I'd have just like a fourth book in the ether that I had picked up and yeah. I, I am reading books much more traditionally one at a time at the moment with maybe like an an ebook or an audiobook on the side so two books <laughs> um, yeah I like stopped, there isn't I've stopped reading audiobooks because when would I <laughs> Um, I actually, th there was a book that I read recently on audio that, um, called What Alice Forgot. I can't remember the author right now. Leanne Moriarty, I think. And honestly, mm. if it, if I had it in paper, I possibly would have skipped to the end and then just put it down. And it's been like, I am happy with the conclusion and set it aside. But because it was an audio format, I was like, I have to listen to the whole thing. I have to listen to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really good. I really enjoyed us. But I did find myself at a, ver at, at a point about three thirds, three quarters of the way through being like, I just want to know how this ends. I'm not as interested in the journey anymore. I just want the ending. Um, but it was it was satisfying and I enjoyed it. And I'm glad that I listened to all of it and read it all. But at the same time, I was like, oh, I just... I just really want to skip and I possibly if I had skipped to the end I would have come back and got to how it got there but at one point I was like there is a mystery that is upsetting me in that I they're giving me so many red herrings that I just want to know what the answer is and then come back to the journey. I have a specific Aoife formulated question for you. Okay. Was the worst book you read this year better or worse than the worst book you read last year? Aoife, I don't know what the worst book I read last year was. Really? Really. Um, okay, well, but I also, can that was, question. What was the worst book that you read this year and was it better or worse than the worst book you read last year? Well, the worst book I read this year was Scatterheart, which we did a whole episode on. Yep. And I'm not actually sure whether it's better or worse than the last book I read last sorry the worst book I read last year which was called I think Redacted Must Die mm -hmm. um which I 
definitely told you about at our last end of year thing, which I kind of didn't like for the whole time. But then there was a twist at the very end, which made me fucking hate it. (laughs) And Scatterheart was shorter. Okay. Which is good. Um, (laughs) I think they're both very bad books. Obviously, the book that I'm referring to that I really didn't like was Shiver the Whole Night Through. And we did that on the podcast. And I just, I feel like there was a way to make the plot work. And we discussed that. But overall, the writing style was just incredibly dense and very difficult to read. And I didn't like it at all. And I didn't finish it. And I just, I just, it was not the book for me. But I think that perhaps... A different book also goes on the, I didn't actually like that book that much. And it was um, Love and Other Curses by Michael Mm. Thomas Ford. And I feel bad saying it because as I read the book, I really liked it. And then as I like, when I finished it and I set on it, I was like, hmm, I'm not actually sure that I liked that book. And mostly I'm just like, the longer, it, it, it tells the story of a gay teen in a very small ruralish town in upstate New York. And he um, is, is active within his own queer community, which is very small. And he participates in a lot of drag and his family is unusual. But overall, I was just like, and as I was reading it, I was like, this is good representation of a queer teen. And also there's a trans character and the trans character, like there's a lot good lot of good things about the trans character and then but when i finished it i was like that was terrible for that trans character they had an awful life with no redeeming like goodness for them and i have questions about like just the representation and it just makes me sad following us mm. um what's the oldest book you read this year oh i read a lot of new releases this year but probably the oldest on a technical level, the oldest book that I read is The Hanjin Murders because it's a mm-hmm. Japanese novel, murder mystery, kind of in the style of kind of in the style of Agatha Christie. But it was translated to English uh, in 2019 and I read it in 2020. But I believe that it was originally published in 1973. OK. Yeah. Was it good? It was really good. It's it's a murder mystery in like in the fashion of, of a locked room how did they how did the murderer get in how did the murderer get out if the room was locked from the inside um it's very good i enjoyed us what about you what was your oldest book um when you brought up translation i suddenly started doubting myself because i was going <laughs> to say that my oldest book was tree crops by j russell smith which is as i mentioned earlier an agriculture textbook from 1929 but I did also read Anne Carson's translation of Antigone, mm. uh, which is Antigonic, I believe she published it under. Um, so she translated that and published it in England. She translated that and published it in English in 2012. But I'm going to look it up because I'm not sure if we know when Antigone was written because it is one of those ancient, ancient Greek lost plays, sort of. It's surviving only in fragments so i think i might win this race nice what was your most hyped book that you read this year and was it did it, it live up to, to the be hype lord of the rings right yeah probably 
Um, sorry, Antigone was written in or before 441 BCE. Nice. So that is uh, possibly the oldest thing I read. Yeah, you got me beat on that one anyway. Yeah. Um, most hype book I read, I have to say it was Lord of the Rings, right? Um, it was pretty much up to scratch. I very much liked it. I also read, oh, The Knife of Never Letting Go, which I found I liked a lot more than I expected to. Was that this year? Yeah, that was this summer. I remember you reading it, but it feels like so much longer ago. (laughs) Well, yeah, we've all had a very traumatizing time. Um, Possibly my most hyped book was Richard Osman's The Thursday Murder Club. It's new out this year and getting a lot of publicity. And I think if it lived up to us, it was very enjoyable it was an easy read murder mystery following the lives of a couple of people living in a nursing home and oh that sounds fun yeah they they're a group of four there's two women and two men and they meet up once a week to discuss cold cases and decide themselves who who did it um based on one of their former members one of their former members snuck some of her unsolved police cases into the nursing home. Um, okay. And so they're using actual cases from the locality. And based on the evidence, they're deciding themselves who did it. Um, and just like for fun. And then an actual murder happens and they get like very involved. Um, it was very good. It reminded me that older people have li- had have lives before mm-hmm. they become older people which is a terrible thing to say but yeah interesting and aren't boring yeah like it's just you don't hear you don't read a lot of fiction with older people in it so it was really good to get that um, yeah like I could I could go on at length making fun of you for your ages <laughs> here, but to be real there's very few stories that allow older people to be protagonists um, I love it yeah, it was very good. Sounds um, like you it sounds like you did a lot of mystery reading this this year. I tend to gravitate when I go for adult books. I do tend to tend to gravitate between mysteries and kind of thrillery things, so that doesn't surprise me a lot. Um would you recommend which of your mystery books would you recommend? Cuz I do occasionally like an and Agatha Christie, but she can get a bit simplistic. Um, I would definitely recommend the Thursday Murder Club if you can get your hands on it, because mm-hmm. uh, obviously you can buy it in the shops, but the libraries have like massive waiting lists for it. And we bought it multiple, multiple copies for it for the e-reader. And it's like, if we buy a copy of it, then like something like 80 people can be reading it at one time. And we've had to buy like 800 copies of us um wow yeah so or we've had to buy like 10 copies of it so that 800 people can read it at a time my apologies um (sighs) and there is still like a massive waiting list so it's it's crazy like we're buying more copies so that 80 people each copy that we purchase is 80 people and we are like continuously buying more copies i think we're going to end up with like 20 copies of 80 readers um uh god um i love the libraries and all the work they do thank you i love them too can can i submit a small correction on my earlier 
oldest book I read. You have a book older than AD? No, because what I'm thinking is if we're not counting Antigone as because it was only translated recently enough. Actually, Mm -hmm. I did also get that wrong. I believe Anne Carson translated it in the 90s. Um, But if that doesn't count, actually, my oldest book I read is A Doll's House by Henry Ibsen, which was published in 1879. Unless or until I finish my traditional Jane Austen, which uh, this year is Northanger Abbey, which I'm really enjoying and we'll probably talk about on the pod because it's very young adult, which was earlier in the 1800s. Kira, why do I read such old books? Um, because you're an old soul. But you keep reading new ones. Yeah, but I like the new ones. You like the old ones. It balances us out as a as a duo. Mm-hmm. And also, I get my hands on a lot more new books, True. and they tend to be written in a format that my brain can clearly parse. Mm-hmm. Um, I was gonna ask you what books you're looking forward to in 2021. But that seems like maybe since you're reading so many old books, what old books are you looking forward to getting your hands on in 2021, if any? Well, of course, my shelf is is filled with books that I am not I have not yet read. Uh, a terrible, wonderful thing I discovered mm-hmm. this year is awesomebooks.co.uk or possibly awesomebooks.org. Yeah. And it is a UK website where charity shops list their book donations. So you can get books for very little money. Like if you go to their bargain bin, they're like charity shop prices. They're like one pound. Mm-hmm. But they also have like newer releases and books that are worth a bit more for, you know. I mean, they they have things that are like collector's items which are going for several hundred euro but they also have their standard middle range about 20 pounds books and I of course put in an enormous order there so I have all of Oliver Sacks bibliography yeah um almost all of Tove Janssen's Moomin series um a lot of classic psychology books I've got Bessel van der Kolk's The Body Keeps Score which I actually bought the same time as I bought braiding sweetgrass and I lent that to my housemate and they read it and were like this is so amazing I know so much about how trauma functions on a bodily level now and I'm like damn I would love to read that but I'm already (laughs) reading at least five books a book I'm gonna continue reading and love is he is mine and I have no other by Rebecca something Okay. Which I believe is also going to be a pod book. It is a really claustrophobic love story about first love. Based, it's set in Ireland in the 90s. And it's also got the claustrophobic feeling of rural Ireland in the 90s. Let me try compare it to something for you. Oh, have you ever read The Price of Salt? The book that Carol was based on? Yes. No, I have not read it, but I know of it. Sorry. Well, the author of that book wrote it when she was really sick with the cold. Okay. And He Is Mine and I Have No Other by Rebecca O'Connor, which I believe is quite a recent book, has a similar feeling to it where it's like reality is just a little bit twisted. It's just a little bit feverish. I love it. But yeah, as you rightly know, 
I don't read new things. I don't watch new things. I find things five years after they were published. And I'm like, oh my God, wow. Almost all of my reads this year were from like 2015 or before. Um, so what are you looking forward to that's new? So I am currently reading a book that is new and might may probably become a pod book. Um, called Savage Her Reply by Deirdre Sullivan. It just came out in November, I believe. And I think I'm, I'll probably have to read that one too. Yeah, I mean, it's about the person defeated. It, it, you are the ether. Your, your unusual name spelling is all over this book. It's very strange. I don't like that. What if people start naming their kids ether? But your ether. Because they yeah. name their children ether all the time right now. But wrong. my Eva, my name. <laughs> what if um, people have my name, Kira? What, hey, Kira. What do I do if someone has the same name as me? So weird. So um, I got that for Christmas off my mother and I just started it yesterday. Um, I'm enjoying it a lot, but I'm actually really looking forward to the sequel to Deirdre Sullivan's Perfectly Preventable Deaths which I believe is supposed to come out in 2021, but honestly, it could come out in 2029 and I would still be excited for us. Um, I I did Perfectly Preventable Deaths on the pod and I loved it. It's about two twins in rural Galway-ish uh, Ireland and the, and the discovery of magic and it's very good. Um, and then the other book that I am excited for, which is definitely coming out in 2021, is Not My Problem by Kira Smith. I believe it's supposed to come out in May. We also had Kira Smith on the pod this year with um, the Falling in Love montage, which was one of my highlights. Not My Problem is also about a lesbian teen in Ireland. So shout out to that. Um, I believe that it's that she's like really withdrawn from with school and she ends up like volunteering to help with something and I think things snowball from there and I'm excited okay. for us. I hear that Christian Stewart gets a lot of appreciation and <laughs> I'm up for that as we all know. I'm up for Christian Stewart. That's it. Okay. Send tweets. Kira is <laughs> up for Christian Stewart. Yep. Agreed upon. Understood. And no. So yeah, that's, um, that's kind of my year roundup. Do you have anything mm. else you want to say about the year that was? I mean, not particularly. Um, like I said, I got an e-reader, which changed my reading habits a bit. Um, I didn't read any audiobooks, I don't think. I got into horror. Mm -hmm. I didn't read a lot of books by non-white authors. That is something I would like to fix in 2021. Because I always, I have kept a record of my books for many, many years. But this year I moved it to a spreadsheet and I started keeping some details on the authors. Um, and I've realized that only three of the sort of 30, th sort of 26 books I've read this year are by non-white authors. Um, I don't know the race of every author, but um, barring... The author of House of Leaves is Jewish. The Robin Wall Kimmerer, of course, is Native American, First Nations. And the book 
by Nick Stone, Dear Martin, um, is of course all about the black experience in America. But other than that, everything I've read was by a white author. So I would like to fix that, I think, in the coming year. Um, and maybe, I don't know, give myself a quota. Just keep an eye out. You guys recommend, please, if you know any books that are by non-white authors. I don't know my stats on it for this year because I keep less definitive records than you. But I did up my Irish authors for deafness with um, Deirdre mm. Sullivan, Kira Smith and Helen Corcoran all being my top reads. And of course, Kethan. So I'm happy with that. Who you're referring to as by first name. Yeah, now? we're on. He signed a book specifically for me and we interact on Twitter semi regularly now. So obviously we're besties. Okay. And I also read a book, a nonfiction book by an Irish author called Owen McGee. And it was How to Be Good with Money. And it made me less anxious about money. So that's, that was cool. Oh, I also read a, a Meg Grehan myself. There's another Irish author. So yeah, I'm just just like overflow. And Liz Nugent. I'm overflowing with Irish authors this year. There we go. Um, I can't hear you. (laughs) I said that I'm overflowing with Irish authors this year. Sounds great. Thank you. But it is definitely something to be aware of. Um, I know I read a lot of own voices around like queer life and the the buzz. Yes, I did, of course, read um, quite a few books by queer authors uh, I read you know Patrick Ness Tove Janssen um, Nick Stone Meg Grehan um, I think that's actually all on that list of but I've also got a little unknown because you know I'm reading Jane Austen and who is to say who is to say what's your summary for the year my summary of the year is that I am happy with the books that I read and I am happy with the books that I did not and I look forward to 2021 and the books that I will read and enjoy then and mm-hmm. yeah maybe maybe like keeping an eye on diversing my authors a little bit but I'm also happy that this year I hit so many Irish authors so it's a balance it's a balance because again, indeed it is. There is a limited time on this earth, and therefore we must selectively choose our books with both care and also at random. Because <laughs> sometimes you gotta just pick up that 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 gem that you didn't know you would love. Um. So yeah, that's that's my summary of the year. How are you doing? <laughs> my summary of the year is that I didn't read as much as I usually would, but I met my target. And honestly, I'm fascinated by the spreadsheet that I've put out. I think I read some very long books, which I need to take into account when I'm like, oh, I didn't read as many books, but I did read several big, big books. And maybe who knows, this will be the year that I read Les Mis. Maybe, maybe. I do have- As I say every year. I do have a YA um, Les Mis- like they, 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 it's a reinterpretation of Les Mis if you are interested in that. I'm not, but I'm interested in, I'm, I'm consumption. I'm interested in knowing more about it, but probably not in reading it. Cool. I'll see if I can bring it home to you someday and you can take a look at it and decide whether or not you are interested or I can find the name of it and you can like Goodreads it or look up some more reviews. 
very possible. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry. My brain has been melting out of my ears because I'm just looking at this spreadsheet and trying to make Excel formulas work, which does not make the best recording uh, or audio for our dearest listeners. How about we wrap up and say Merry Christmas to those who celebrate and Happy Yule to all the others and that we will see you all on the far side in 2021 in a year that will be hopefully better on a global scale for everyone yes uh merry midwinter or indeed midsummer as the case may be and yes i'm wishing everyone a happy and healthy 2021 we will be back with more book discussions because by god if the pandemic can't stop us what can very likely I'll be discussing Savature Reply by Deirdre Sullivan in January, but watch the space because January can lead to mysterious reads um, as we as we, as we jump around the place. And I, I got a couple of books for Christmas, so I might sub in one of those. I will be probably coming at you two weeks after that with either Northanger Abbey or... He is mine and I have no other by Rebecca O'Connor. Um, thanks for potting with me, Kira, and thanks for listening, listeners. If you'd like to hear more of what we do, we have social medias. Kira, do you want to rattle through them? <laughs> yeah. We've got the Twitter at Forever YA Pod. We've got Instagram at Forever YA Podcast. We've got our Goodreads. We've got uh, Patreon if you want to help support us and what we do here and maybe buy us a coffee at patreon.com slash foreveryapod. And yeah, Twitter is generally the best place to, to catch us. Thank you so much to Christina who sent us an email after our last pod to comment on our discussion of terrible historic inaccuracies that we that we did not know were inaccurate because we're dumb histories but thank you for that email it was much appreciated despite the fact that all of my books are old somehow i'm reading books from these eras but i don't know what happened um so thank you for that email it was very appreciated i enjoyed it greatly and i do believe i emailed you back but shout out if you do want to email us you can email us at foreveryoungadult at gmail.com using the number four you can email us there and i will be grateful and i will enjoy all of those responses and i think that's all the places that you can reach us and support us and you can leave a review on itunes or share via spotify and yeah that's that's the wrap up 2020 is done we will speak no more of it yeah uh tell your friends if you think they'd like our pod um and yeah even i am occasionally on twitter these days so like do engage let us know if you have any book recommendations i feel like i feel like we haven't been emphasizing that enough like if you want us to read something tell us but uh yeah we shall talk to you again in 2021 bye bye Forever young at thought of a podcast where we read books. Here as your wild.